Yo, what is up guys? My name is Benji and this is the Ben Obi podcast show where I interview successful people and social media influencers who are making a difference in the world today and find out a little bit about themselves and how they got to where they are today. Today on the show we have JD Prevost from JD Tech TV. JD, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. Glad to be here. So before we get into uh, the podcast, do you want to tell us a little bit about yourself, like a bit of your backstory and where you come from and all that kind of stuff? Sure. Um, I just moved to California not that long ago, uh, originally from Florida. Uh, I am relatively new into the YouTube space, about two years or so, but this wasn't necessarily something that I always started doing. It's not something I necessarily always wanted to do. I actually have been to college twice. I don't highly recommend that option. Uh, do it once for sure. But I originally went for things like marketing and journalism and have a background in that and ended up actually going back to school for physics and planetary science. So the career path coming into YouTube and things like that wasn't necessarily uh, traditional. Uh, I sort of tripped and fell into it. But uh, but yeah, we'll probably get a little bit more uh, into that here pretty soon. So uh, what got you interested in the world of videography and just like video in general? Um, I think it was more, I, I don't know if I would necessarily say it was videography. I, I, I view that as, I know it's like the correct term, but I view it as there's levels of everything, right? There's people who take video and then there's videographers. But I think I've always been interested in video in some sense, and this was way before the iPhone, this was back when I was in high school, I had a little Sony point and shoot, and I would just take videos of literally everything. I was that obnoxious guy that would just like always have it out, like moving around, but it wasn't specifically to make great videos, it was simply because I think, I think I've always preferred sh having my memories that way. So I prefer to look back on the video and some people use pictures as the way of their memories and some people just use their brain like normal people. But I, I just like having the video. I like looking back on it and it sort of is a good way for me to remember the times that I was in when, when this was happening. So uh, I've always sort of been into making video or taking video for a long time, but it never really came around to a professional level until much, much later in life. Yeah, I, I completely agree with you on the, on the video side because uh, I too love video. I love recording video. And I think that's the best way to record memories because you can, it's almost as if you can relive the memories and stuff. And that's, that's one of the reasons I love video as well. It's a lot better than just a photo because a photo, yes, it can, it can describe something, but a video does so much more. What, where did you learn like all of your camera skills? Cause I know you, you work for, uh, in the team with Jonathan Morrison and stuff, and you need to know how to, how to do all that kind of stuff. Where did you learn like your video skills? Uh, it was YouTube university as uh, what I call it. It's just the best way to learn pretty much anything that you want at any given time. So I, I knew nothing about camera skills about how to make a shot, how to compose a shot, how to light a shot, how to do any of these things. I didn't even have the verbiage. I didn't even know what to call all these things that I wanted to try to do. So it was just more of like trying to go through YouTube tutorials and sort of slowly making my way into finding personalities that I liked on YouTube and just sort of learning from them. So I think one of the earlier inspirations was I think for most people is Peter McKinnon. That's usually like the one that people say whenever I first started out. And it's it's a very cliche thing to say that you learned everything from Peter, but his wasn't more of, I, I was learning how to use a camera whenever I first, I got, I, I'm still using the very first camera, the very first DSLR that I got, which is a Canon T6i, is what I'm filming on right now. Um, it's, I, I've got that one and I've been able to add lenses into it and, and I think that's like the magic sauce for a lot of things, the body needs to be great, but it's the lens that really pulls out these amazing photos and these amazing video. But with Peter, I was learning how to use a camera, and but I didn't realize that the more and more that I watched his stuff, I was also learning how to tell a compelling story. And it's it's also sort of it's also sort of odd that I'm working with Jonathan now because he was also a really big influence of how to learn how to do all of these things. And I wasn't necessarily looking to copy John, but it was more of, I don't like saying copy somebody. It was more of like, I was looking at his shots and I was trying to reverse engineer why it was interesting to me. And I didn't know why it was interesting for the longest time. I just tried to sort of like, all right, if I point the camera this way 
And if I kind of put this there, like if I kind of put like, maybe that looks good. Like I didn't know anything about lighting or like anything like that, but it was like a very slow methodical process of like really trying to break everything down and reverse engineer, which I think is where a lot of my training as a physicist and as, um, as a marketer as well, those two, those two skills sort of oddly worked extremely well with the way that it causes you to tackle problems. Um, it worked really well with trying to figure out how to construct, how to deconstruct somebody and then form it into your own thing. So it was more of like Peter and John were sort of like the two main inspirations of how to learn how to do this stuff, but I didn't really learn how to be a proper cameraman. Uh, and pretty much until I got here, like I would say confidently, the knowledge that they have here is far greater than anything I could have learned. Uh, just strictly through YouTube, but YouTube was a good start. YouTube is really, really good for learning stuff. Like I see a lot of people that even start fixing cars from watching YouTube videos, and I too am one of those people that have lear that's learned stuff about cameras on YouTube. And uh, I, I, I haven't, I didn't go to a university or I didn't go to a college where they taught me how to make film stuff. That I just learned it by myself. And I think that sometimes that is the best way of learning, um, and definitely a way that a lot of people have learned. How to, how to like camera skills and all that kind of stuff. So what is one thing you wish you knew before you started or when you started doing video? Uh, I really wish that I knew what the word composition meant. <laughs> I, I, I really, again, man, I had no idea the verbiage. I just didn't have the verbiage. And it, without going to film school, I think a lot of times what people miss is they, they're missing they're missing, like I said, the verbiage and uh, and essentially how to create a shot and why it's interesting to somebody. So like the composition of a shot, it's very pleasing to somebody's eye, but the trick to the to amazing composition is they don't know why it's good. They have absolutely no idea why it's good. They just know that it's naturally pleasing, it's naturally pleasing to the eye. Your eye is getting led to a very specific point and then the next shot, like your eye is naturally gliding across, it's not darting across the, the, uh, the screen but you're gliding across. And it's this it's those real little things that I really wish that I had dove into first because looking back at my old videos, I didn't know what camera eye line was, like the camera right now, the lens is directly at my eye. So that's a big, that's a big deal as far as like inviting somebody into the room, inviting somebody into your videos. If you have it down, it's a little bit more of a dramatic feel to where like it almost looks like I'm leaning over you. So sometimes it could be a little overpowering. If it's too high, it looks like you're meek. It's, it's less confident because it looks like somebody's looking down on you. It's little things like that that like, man, I just did not, I did not think about that. In composition mainly, if people, when they're first starting out, can look into that and start learning about that first, I think they're gonna be much better off in the future. Uh, I think things are just gonna start clicking faster. Because once I started learning that, everything else just kind of sort of fell into place. Yeah, because I see a lot of like new creators that are coming and they don't know anything about framing. Uh, I was one of them. Sometimes I was like in, in the corner of the of the picture and it wasn't good. And now, now that I've learned more, uh, filling up the frame as much as possible is is a good idea because you have the frame and filling it up as much as possible can be better and all that kind of stuff. How did you uh, get to working for Jonathan Morrison and Team Crispy or t the TLD crew or whatever you want to call it? Uh, Twitter. Um, he reached out on Twitter. I had just been following him for a long time. I've been a fan of his for a long time. So I, and, and it's funny because I hadn't really been active on Twitter. I had a Twitter, but I just never really used it that much because I was always more into Facebook like growing up. And I think that's the, the whole MySpace generation to where like I grew up when social media was sort of forming its own thing. And MySpace was sort of the first large iteration of that. And it was just trying to figure itself out. Then Facebook was like the kind of the evolution of MySpace. So I was kind of always like, Facebook was kind of always my gig. And then I never really got into like YouTube or rather I never got into Instagram or Twitter until maybe about six months before I saw this tweet from John. And like I said, I had one, but I just happened to see it. He, he reached out on Twitter and just kind of put it out into the masses of, hey, we're looking to expand our team. Uh, send me your work if you're interested in being part of a video editing team. And so I showed it to a friend of mine. I was, I was at work and I showed it to a friend of mine 
And I said, I was, I was like, that's cool. I was like, that'd be a dream. Cause I was, I had already started YouTube by the, at that point. I was like, man, that'd be amazing. And he said, well, send your stuff in. Like your stuff's like pretty good. I was like, it's not that good. I was like, it's not like, it's not TLD good. You know what I mean? He's, he's, he's like, whatever, just take a chance, go and try it. I was like, all right, fine. So I sent him what I thought at the time was like my five best videos. And come to find out, he liked them. Uh, 15 minutes later, I got a DM from him. I got a follow and a DM from him, uh, basically saying, when can you come out to California? We'd like you to come out and hang out for a week, see how you do, see how you vibe with the team and, and uh, get to work with them. And did that two weeks later, uh, two weeks after that. Flew out here to uh, sunny California and got to work, meet and work with the team. And the vibe was amazing. Uh, I got along with everybody and I got brought out a second time it's just sort of like verification for the team just to make sure that the first week wasn't a fluke and uh, it went well got offered the job and moved out here three weeks after I got that notification from John saying you got the job so it was very very quick yeah we moved from Florida we literally my wife is the most incredible human ever uh, because it was it wasn't even a thought it was more of like this is my dream job really want to move to California what do you think and she said, yeah, absolutely. Like, I'll follow you anywhere kind of thing. So it was, it was really great. The whole, the whole situation, it could not have been, could not, the stars could not align better. So it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was quick, but it's, it's been a pretty magical experience so far. Wow, that, that's awesome. So what is, what is like your role at, at the TLD office? Sure. It's, uh, it's producer, producer for uh, the TLD Jonathan Morrison team as well as editor. Um, I've sort of been postured as sort of like the right-hand man for John. We have a team that's forming around him, but I was like the first piece of the puzzle that, because for those of you that may not know, John has been doing YouTube for nine years, almost 10 at this point. And he was doing it alone, essentially with him and uh, his business partner, Josh. They were, they were doing it essentially by themselves. That was it. It was just them. So all of these like amazing videos and stuff that he had was essentially by himself for the longest time. And he had like a team, he had a team that was there, but it was more of uh, SunSquared Media. So uh, additionally, for those of you who don't know, SunSquared Media is the production business that has the TLD and Kevin Kenson, his, the Kevin Kenson gaming channel underneath that. So it's, it's the SunSquared Media is their business that we have the two channels that we manage. And we had a team that was around Kevin and we had other people uh, that were on the team before I came on, but there was a intentional, we're gonna form a bubble around John. We're gonna make we're gonna make a TLD team. We're gonna separate the teams off. We're gonna have a Kevin team and we're gonna have a John team. Because before they were, everybody was kind of sharing the, the, the staff that was already here. So I was kind of the first piece of the puzzle for the TLD team and essentially, uh, they're trying to make me John 2.0. So it's a uh, the the goal is to is to essentially be another version of him, so he can focus on larger projects, and that's where his that's where he should that's what he should be doing. He should be focusing on the big stuff, you know. While the rest of the team were competent and capable enough in order to run the smaller projects to sort of like keep the channel going and kind of like fill everything out. So it's it's been it's been a methodical process that we've now have five people on John's team and I believe I believe 11 or 12 total 12 12 total um, under the SunSquared media umbrella yeah uh, that, that's actually that's actually pretty interesting that's really cool because what what I would like to do one day is be kind of like John and have some people around me that help me make videos because making videos up by yourself is great because you control everything but it can get out of hand sometimes and tiring and you're like, oh no, I forgot to edit this video. I had to do this. I have to shoot this for this video. And I think having a team around around you is a really good idea. And hopefully if my YouTube thing takes off, then someday that, that could happen. Do you mind describing like the process of a TLD video, like from the start sure. to, to uploading it? Sure. Um, yeah, I, I feel like it's, it's relatively similar to how kind of most people do it. Um, it's conceptualized before. Uh, it's usually, uh, you know, John is the creative director of, of TLD, obviously, uh, but he, a lot of the ideas and stuff comes from him. Obviously, this is a team effort, and a lot of us, the ideas are sort of meshed throughout the group, and we all sort of like come up with things and contribute to how, uh, what a video is gonna start out as. But a lot of it like is kind of like formed, it's, it's a lot of like the creatives 
standard kind of thing to where it's in your head, right? It's like, it's all up here. You can vision everything like all up in your head and it's hard to communicate that to other people. So uh, a lot of times, you know, John is the, is, the, is the creative genius behind TLD, obviously. So a lot of the ideas and stuff come from him, but it's just more like fleshed out throughout the team. So usually what happens is I will, I will make a write-up for it and it's not like a script or anything. Like we don't script at all, but it's just more of, you know, to make it easier on him, he, he wants to have bullet points. Essentially what it is, you know, what the specs of it are, and then maybe my general thoughts and experiences with the product of testing it out, he tests it out as well. So like we both kind of have this like idea of, of how to communicate what this thing is on camera. And then he just, and then he, we sit down, we light him, we make everything look beautiful. We light him and he just goes. Like the man just like comes up with stuff off the top of his head. It's just, it sounds like the way, how fluid he is with his, with his A-roll and with his speech, you would think that it was like premeditated. You would think that it's like it's it's all scripted and everything like that because it comes across like real, uh, real smooth, but it's just it's just he just sits down he just goes burp, and it's just all out like it just works, and then uh, and then we take it back, we will uh, we will sync up all the A roll with the audio because we take those things separately, uh, so we'll sync it all up and then we'll chop it up and then we'll go in afterwards and we'll kind of watch it and then you kind of absorb. You, you you add music to it and then you can visualize what the B-roll needs to be in your head. And sometimes that's already going at the same time. But uh, but usually the B-roll is afterwards and we'll lay it over uh, after that because I feel like if you can get if you can get the story out, if you can get all the talking points out, it's easier for you to visualize how the B-roll is supposed to look. I know some people yeah. do it backwards, but I feel like what people I can't do it backwards. The, I tried. I know. I know some people do that, but like I, I think you can. Like I think you can understand this too. Is you lose you lose the intention of the shot. Like sometimes there the standard tech video thing where it's just you put a product and it's just pan left, pan right, pan up, pan down. Like it's just pan, 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 and they're essentially just trying to fill the video with footage of this thing. They're not necessarily trying to match the B-roll to what you actually said. So make it practical. So if he's talking about picking it up and using it in your hand, well then get a shot of somebody picking it up and using it with their hand, right? So you wanna make it seem practical. And it, and I think the, the thing that people don't always think of either is sometimes the, the prettiest shot isn't always the right shot. So we can make everything look beautiful and cinematic and amazing, but if it doesn't make sense within the story of what you're trying to say, you know, an outside shot with not as pretty of a background might be better because it's more practical. Like you're using it in a practical sense, right? So, so there's always like that that difficulty of trying to figure out which one is going to give more weight to the shot. So everything is like meticulously thought out, and everything is thought out of, uh, you know, what is going to be the most compelling shot? Not necessarily the most cinematic shot because we can we can kind of combine those things at the same time. But what is the most compelling shot? for the story, which I think a lot of tech YouTubers will lose. They lose that. They don't necessarily think of storytelling. They just think of, hey man, like this this video, here's here's this product, here's the 10 things that I like about it, here's the five things that I don't. There you go, do you wanna buy it? I don't know, maybe, like I bought it, maybe you do too. And like, and like there's an audience for that. Like I'm not saying that that's wrong because there's a lot of videos of mine that are like that, but uh, there's an audience for it, but like we're just trying to do something a little bit different. It's gonna be more compelling content uh, within the tech space. Yeah, the, like I, I can see that as well from the videos. There's a lot of work that goes into them and it just all flows. It, it flows really, really yeah. good. And I, I love watching Thanks, John's videos. Every time it comes out, it's like the, the TLD crew is always, you guys are always amazing and always making, oh, thank the, you. making some shots that would, would look cool, cooler, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> So how much how much work went into the fifty gadgets under fifty dollars and like how did you guys make it happen? Because that was a really oh, long man. video and so many fifty products. I was not expecting that. As soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, this is a fifty fifty dollars under like video, and it wasn't. Yeah. It was like it's insane. It was. I mean, for all intents and purposes, it was a it was our first like short film kind of <laughs> like it was i think it was 25 minutes and 54 seconds i want to say somewhere around there um so almost so essentially 26 minute video that's longer than a tv episode you know it takes less time to watch an episode of the office than it does to watch our video <laughs> but 
it was a crazy idea. It was a terrible idea that we all had that it, we, it was more of a joke because we were, we, you know, John is, is known for, he was one of the first ones that started the, the best tech videos of, and it's usually like five or six things, best tech under 25, 50. Like he was one of like the pioneers of that on YouTube. And, uh, it, it was, we just wanted to do something different, right? Like we were talking about that. We were going over, all right, this month, here are some video ideas that we wanted to do. And we like, we looked at the, the under 50 and we're like, oh, we could do better than that. And Chad was like, well, why don't we just do 50 products under 50? And I was like, that's a horrible, I just remember saying, that's a horrible idea. <laughs> and, but the, the next day we kind of sat on it. We're like, okay, maybe that's not that bad. So we started compiling the list. I started looking through myself and uh, one of the other team members, Courtney, we, we started looking through things and we were like, all right, this, these are genuinely cool things that are actually useful. Not just like 50 products just for the sake of putting 50 products on there. But so we ordered everything and we got it all in. We started, we split the work, we started the write-ups and that was the beginning of December. We started doing that and we were going to put it out at the end of December, it's just sort of like an end of the year video, this like huge video that we were gonna do at the end of the year. But this thing ended up turning into such a monster. <laughs> we just, we didn't, we were overconfident in our skills, I believe. <laughs> like we were going like, that's fine, we can knock that out in a week, like no big deal. No, it took a month and a half essentially of work and not of straight work because, but there were so many other passion projects that we were doing, like I can't divulge it yet, but January for TLD has been one of the most magical months ever. And it's gonna be transformative for the channel. So like a little sneak peek as to what we're working on. I can't tell you exactly what we're doing yet, but all of January has been this amazing thing. And that's sort of slowed down the process of us making this 50 under 50. But for me, it's been a passion, it's been like, it's been my baby. So I've been like going through and like editing it and like trying to get all the shots and everything. And it, it has taken so long, the entire, the, the size of the of the video is eight gig or uh, eight terabytes or eight gigabytes rather eight terabytes geez of eight ter eight gigabytes uh, of a video which is monstrous and I believe I believe the total amount of video that we captured was around a hundred twenty gigabytes total um, so you can see like how much we've like pulled it back and everything so it was a it might even be more than hundred. Actually, actually, I think it was. Actually, I think it was three hundred gigabytes total. Yeah. So anyway, so it, it's massive, right? So it just this whole process of being able to tell a story and keep it interesting enough for somebody to watch a twenty-six minute tech video like that was such an unbelievable challenge that I don't think any of us really knew what needed to go into it. We're essentially making an episode of something. We're making episodic content. So when we do it again, and we will do it again. When we do it again, we'll be better prepared. <laughs> but I think it was just, it was just an, a massive overconfidence in ourselves of, of us going like, we know what we're doing. We didn't know what we were doing. Like we didn't know what we were doing getting into it. It was absolutely monstrous. But it was by far my favorite, 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 favorite thing that that I've ever done here. And I, I think I think for the team as well, it was just this massive like, you know, like uh, you know, everybody's high fiving and everything. We're like, yeah, we finally did it. It was great, and it worked out really, really well. So I think it came out amazing, uh, and I'm just I'm really hoping that everybody can watch it and enjoy it because it was such a long process. Yeah, I watched the whole thing. I watched it sped up because I I had to do this podcast with you, um, but it was it was really good. Like even sped up, you could see all the shots, and it was it was just amazing. It was probably one of the best videos of 2019 so far and Thanks, one of the man. craziest as well <laughs> one of the craziest that's as a big well, compliment sure. yeah that's a big compliment but yeah some of the some of the people that were in there the people that were modeling everything and i thought that that was like the other really cool thing is that everybody on the team made a cameo like everybody was there you know so it was this huge collaborative effort and then people that you might not recognize were in there as well and that's a little bit of a sneak peek of the people that we're working with throughout January. So it was also a little bit of a teaser as to, as to what we were doing. So people going back, once we start releasing these projects that we've been doing over January, once we start releasing this, people will be able to go back and be like, oh, that's where that person is from. So it's, it's gonna be a little bit of a connection, which is gonna be cool. So what made you start making YouTube videos in the first place? Uh, it was uh, my now wife. <laughs> uh, we weren't we weren't married at the time, but it was more of it was more of I was at UCF uh, for physics and planetary science, as I said before, 
uh, and that's very, very expensive. Uh, so, you, you know, like most people going into college, like we all have student debt. So just thinking of like the future, I was trying to be responsible. I was trying to be thoughtful of, I'm going into this relationship that's potentially going to turn into a marriage. And I was thinking about proposing to her at the time. And I kind of thought about it and saying, you know, what, what can I do to make us more successful like later on in life. So I started thinking about, all right, what are extra ways that I can make money? So I started looking on YouTube, you know, I, I knew about the phrase passive income from my marketing experience. So I was trying to use like my marketing skills to, to try to reverse engineer exactly how I should do this with, with having the smallest amount of time to put into it. You know, I can make the most amount of money with the smallest amount of effort. So I, I knew about passive income, so I started looking into it, and I, I came across this channel, Sean Cannell. Sean Cannell? Sean Cannell? I, I can never yeah, remember uh, exactly. Yeah, he's been on the show. Oh, great. Um, yeah, he's, he seems like he's such a, he's such a sweetheart. So um, he was very interesting, so I've, I've talked to him. Is it Cannell or Cannell? I feel like it's Cannell. Uh, Cannell. Cannell, okay. I've been saying it wrong yeah. my entire life. Uh, so, but anyway, so he... He was very interesting to listen to. He was had a very marketing centric mind, so that was kind of that was what attracted me to the whole thing. And he was talking about doing tech videos. I was like, I know how to I know how to talk about tech because I was always the guy that everybody came to throughout my family and friends to tell them about tech and to explain it or to say whether it's worth having it. So I was like, all right, I can do that. I can make a tech video. I can make money passively, you know, to where you're making your money while you sleep, that kind of thing. Um, and I started figuring out how I could make a YouTube channel, and I, I just, I, it was just ignorance going into it. I didn't know, I didn't know how much work it would take. I didn't know how long it would take to really make any sort of money off of it. And um, <clears throat> uh, come to find out, like, it's it's really hard. But I, I kind of fell in love with the whole concept of making videos. It sort of reinvigorated that whole thing, and, and sort of gave a direction to what I said before. Of I just made. I just took video of everything and it felt really satisfying to be able to take video of that initial first love that I had in high school of just taking video to have memories and then forcing uh, or not forcing but focusing it into one cohesive unit with the editing with with the b-roll with the products and just creating a story that's going to be compelling within the video and my first videos I, I they're so like cringy like I can't I just I don't know camera presence I don't know I don't know how, what I'm saying. I don't know how to construct my sentences. Like my audio is terrible. Like the, the angles were off. Like I think everybody kind of goes through that. But it's weird. Like my very my very first video has like fifty or sixty thousand views or something like that because I just it was on like a, a little phone lens, uh, and and for some reason people continue to watch that thing and I don't get it because it's awful. Um, I, th I think people should have better opinions or, or just at least have higher standards when they're watching videos. It's so bad. I can relate to that, yeah. Bro, it's so bad. But, but I mean, you know, it's, it, it, was something that, um, it was something that I just sort of fell in love with and I didn't realize that I was going to love it so much. But uh, I, I just continued after that because it was so much fun. And without necessarily caring that I wasn't making any, literally no money, I was losing money doing that. So it was like the most counterintuitive, counterproductive thing to making passive income. I just, I just continued. And about six months in, you started kind of like making some money off of this, something that was like tangible to where you can start like getting your ROI back. But, uh, but yeah, it took the longest time to do it, but I just sort of tripped and fell into YouTube. And I think it's just when you get enough positive feedback in the comments and things like that, like you just, it sort of spurs you on to continue going. And it's oddly turned into this. I left I eventually left uh, physics, that that whole dream and everything, uh, in order to do this kind of stuff. You know, like I'm in the TLD offices. It's kind of weird. <laughs> it's kind of weird how like life works out that way. What is like the main goal you have with YouTube? Like, what do you want to achieve with it? I, I think it's I think it's compelling content. I, I know that that's a very general answer, but I, I really see YouTube as, and, and I, I think I've always said this. I see YouTube as it's in its baby stages right now and it's not even close to what it could become because as people are slowly pulling away from cable you know they're not they're not going to Comcast or to Spectrum or to Verizon you know whoever whoever their 
their TV provider is they're paying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of dollars to get all of these channels that they have absolutely no interest in watching. So everybody's getting smarter. They're using Netflix, they're using Hulu, they're using different ways to absorb their, their content and absorb the media that they watch. And, and a lot of times people are spending it watching it on their phone, not necessarily on the TV. So I think, I think YouTube is gonna be this really interesting bridging of the gap between this amateur side of YouTube and the professional side of television and TV shows. So I think that there's there's room for a middle ground in between that. And I think as YouTube progresses and as people start learning more about not necessarily like what makes good content, but just how to tell a story better, because that's what movies and television do better than anybody on YouTube for the most part. I, I, I've seen a few people like really kill it. Um, I'm, I'm very biased. I think TLD does it very well. <laughs> but but even even us like we're not we're not we're not amazing yet in our minds. Like we're we're going we're going like yeah that was good, but we could always do better. You know there's that which again that's also that's another amazing thing about this team is Jonathan included. There are zero egos. In, in this office and in this team. Like none of us, none of us think that we're the smartest person in the room ever. And, and I think that was like a life lesson I learned really early in life that's worked out very well for me is to never, ever, ever be the smartest person in a room. If you are the smartest person in the room, leave that room immediately. <laughs> immediately. Yep. That's what get my dad out always of, says, yeah. Yeah, get out of there. It's just, so it, the focus is trying to trying to surround yourself with people that are better and smarter than you. Um, and I think that's what we're doing here. So as, as time goes on, I think, I think my channel, uh, John's channel, uh, I, that's the end goal is for us to be the leaders and be a part of that wave of this bridging of the gap of how people, a, a new age of how people absorb media and how they absorb their content and, and essentially what they're, what they're watching. So these, so that 50 under 50 video, yeah, it's a tech video, but we try to make it a little bit more compelling. Um, there's also a really great video from John uh, from TLD that it's a it's music central. So it was it was the uh, essentially creating music on the iPad, and it was this beautiful story that we yeah. So like Henny the Biz uh, is this amazing producer. We also had the legend Ken Lewis was there mixing on the iPad and they just, that's what they use. Like they use the tech that we talk about and the things that we make videos about and we're making it more compelling. There's a story that goes along with it. So I think that there's like this interesting bridge that I think we're trying to ride that wave and trying to at least, at least be able to put a, a you know, a nail in the wood of this bridge that, that everybody else is kind of slowly creating. We just want to be a part of it you know, my, with my channel included. Okay. So what are you, you like your future plans for not just YouTube, but like your career and all that kind of stuff? I think it's larger. Um, I, I just, I kind of gushed about how YouTube is going to become this like middle ground of everything. But I think it's, I think ultimately it's beyond that, right? Like I, th I think YouTube is an amazing platform, uh, to have all of these visions that you have in your head. But I think it's, I think it's higher than that. Um, I think it's just larger productions. It's whether it lives on YouTube or not, because we don't necessarily know exactly what it's going to turn into. We don't know what it's going to be. We don't know if it's going to be a net, like a Netflix and a Hulu uh, as far as not necessarily as far as views, because I think that it's on par. I think all of those are kind of on par with one another. And I would probably argue that YouTube is higher. Um, I could probably pretty confidently say that, but it's hard to say that because Netflix doesn't release any kind of statistics off of that kind of stuff, but uh, it, it's at least in the mix, right? But I, I think it's going beyond that and making the, like I said, the more compelling content that's going to be respected as an art form, and and I think I think that's that's what I would love to be able to do is for somebody to look at it, and for somebody to look at it as art that it can win an award for something that was on YouTube. Like you want it to win an award, you want the respect of the artistic culture that we've had in the movie culture and the cinema, the, the cinema culture. I want them to respect YouTube videos in the way that they respect, you know, like a Wes Anderson film or a, a, a George Lucas or a, a Steven Spielberg or, or whoever, you know, um, they, they want to see this as something that is legitimately art and, and respected within the community as that. So I, I think that's the ultimate goal is to kind of get up to that level. Whether that's how long that's going to take for me to get there, uh, it has remained to be seen. But 
Uh, I think that's the ultimate goal, not only for myself, but for the TLD team as well. Smartphone cameras are getting a lot better every year. Do you think the smartphone could ever replace a DSLR like in the future? Or will we still have DSLRs in the future? Uh, I, I think it's probably an inevitability that the tech is going to get so good. But I think on the... I think on the phone side of it, I think it's more about the software is going to get good enough to where those two lines kind of get blurred uh, between a DSLR and, and something like a smartphone. But I, I don't really want it to. Like, I don't want it to get to that point because I think it's within culture of, of tech and consumer products, I think it's important to have tiers. So and to give people choice in, in what they're, uh, you, you know, and what they want to use. So it's just more of... You know, do you want to have a port the port ultimate portability of having a smartphone that it's this like ultimate tool that you use in more aspects of your life than just video or photography? And then you can also have the people who like this is their career. You know, this is what they use on a daily basis to to pay their bills and to express themselves creatively. And and I think I think you can focus more. You can get more out of having these like separate. It's these separate tiers between these two uh, different kinds of uh, consumer products. And I, I, regardless what, what I think, I think it's going to get there. I think that line's going to get blurred. I think DSLRs and mirrorless cameras and all these things, I think that's always going to exist. It's just going to exist in a different form. It's going to be elevated in a different form. And I think phones are going to go the same way. But I think, I think the goal of most cell phone companies is to be that, is to be the replacement for the $2,000 $3,000, $4,000, you know, $5,000 really expensive, like, uh, like lower tier cameras, you know, and I don't think you're ever going to get to like the medium format cameras where you're paying like 30, 40, $50,000, like those crazy cameras. I, I don't think that'll ever exist. I just don't think that the technology will, I, I just, I don't think that it can get that small. Like that technology can't get that small. There's like a point of like diminishing returns. Uh, but, but I think, I think for the most part, like if you wanted to get like for for example my my Canon T6i, there's smartphones out there like the iPhone 10R like you could argue that it has better dynamic range than than some of the Canons that are out there. Now the color science is better obviously uh, on the Canon side you can do more with it but like straight out of like stock like stock image to stock image like you could you could argue that depending on the lighting and depending on who's who's using that product and who's taking that picture who's taking that video you can you can argue that that a camera that a cell phone camera could be better than somebody who has an actual like DSLR but again I, I think it's just I don't want it to get there man like I just don't want that I want there to be a separation between the two I hope not it pro they probably will but I hope not <laughs> probably won't get to the, like the level where they're using Hollywood and all that kind of stuff, but no smartphone. A lot of people on YouTube now are using just their smartphone. I use my iPhone 10 yeah. instead of my camera for some videos because it's got 4K at 60 frames a second or yep. 4K at 24 if you if you're into that. Um, <laughs> and it and you, sh you, you should be into that, by the way. <laughs> you <laughs> movies movies are listen, man. Movies are made in 24 frames per second. If you want to be taken serious as a movie, that's not saying that everybody has to do that. But if you want to create like, if you want to make it look like a movie, like 24 is the way to go. I argue 24. 30 is acceptable. 60 I think is good for like extremely specific things like gaming channels and stuff like that. I think that's like awesome. Or for high action channels, like if you have a sports channel or something like that, to where uh, I don't know if you're a pitching coach or something like that, and you're trying to like show somebody like throwing a ball. You need you need that the the smoothness of the fidelity of the 60 frames per second. But I'm a fan of 60 to 120 frames per second, and then downscaling it to 24 frames per second to get like the most buttery smooth slow motion of all time. So like shooting in that lower frame, showing in that lower frame rate, like at least gives you more options. But anyway, I'm sorry I interrupted you. No, <laughs> <laughs> that, that's fine. Yeah, I was saying a lot of YouTubers now just use their phones for even editing, which is which is crazy. Yeah. Phones are replacing not only cameras, but computers. Um, they probably won't get to that level like where you just need a phone and that's it because still people want to have a massive screen and a mouse and a keyboard and all that kind of stuff and, or even a camera that they can change lenses because I think one downside to, to phones right now is that you can't really change the lens even though they're adding more lenses and it would be cool if you could change the lens on, on a phone, which you kind of can with those clip-on ones. I guess, like Moment and all those other companies. 
But yeah, I, I I do agree with you. Smartphones can get only can only get so good with right. with with, with um, hardware. Yeah, I'm I, yeah I'm with you, man. Like for the first year, I used my iPhone Seven Plus was my only camera that I used, and it wasn't until it wasn't until January of 2018 that I actually got my first DSLR. So, yeah, I, that's the one thing like I usually say to people is that they want to start a channel and they ask me what camera that I want. It's like it's the one that's in your pocket. Like just use that. Like it's not a big deal. Like you can make amazing stuff. Like you, for example, you're a great example of that. Like you make amazing stuff, and it's on your iPhone. Like you know what I mean. Like it's just there's less and less excuse for people to not create the content that they want to create because they don't take their cell phone seriously as as an actual like viable camera to use to create content, which which they are. I mean, it's portable. You have it everywhere. You can shoot whenever and whatever you want. As long as it's got battery, but yeah, yeah, but yeah, that's true. So, what do you think will be like the big thing in 2019 in terms of tech? I always want to say hardware is usually sort of the biggest thing, but I think 2019 is going to be about software. Uh, I think AI is really going to be my actually my knee jerk reaction is going to say 5G, uh, 5G for cell phone towers and everything, but I. I 5G is going to exist in 2019. It'll it'll be in it'll be in phones, but I don't think that it's going to be in mass market phones. I think it's going to be in very specific. It's going to be like a gimmicky thing. You know, there's going to be like there's certain cameras like like the Oppo, for example, is like you know the the phone that has the the camera that slides out the back. It's like this little slider action that comes up. Like it's it's a really amazing technology and it's extremely creative. It's such a good solution. But there's so many problems that go along with those like first iterations and things. So I think it's going to be somebody's going to do it. It's going to be on phones, and it's going to be on phones that like a lot of people can own. But I don't think it's going to be the Samsungs, the the Googles, the iPhones. I think that's 2020. I think that's really really when it's going to start coming to fruition in 2020. But I think AI is really going to come. It's going to start. Ta- it's going to take a considerable step in 2019 and it's in a lot of the stuff with the software it's not as impressive you know it's more impressive to say that like, there's this like cool new machine that's going to come out that's going to like change the world but i think it's it's more about the software side of it I, th- I think we're slowly getting there you know like like siri like siri for example is like i would say is the worst of all of them <laughs> like uh you know like alexa's well, great there's also Pardon? bixby <clears throat> oh okay okay so all right correction <laughs> Bixby is by far. See, it was so bad that I didn't even put it in contention. Uh, it's I say that's by far the worst. Um, then Siri, then then you would say. Then I would argue Alexa is in second place and Google is in first place um, as far as like the AI that goes behind that. And and I think it's just and I think it's more than that too. It's it's just the the algorithms that are out there. It's the algorithms are. That's why everybody is like mad at YouTube and and Twitter and Instagram. Because they have these algorithms that are not only we're, we're learning about how they work. Because a lot of it, it's not obviously it's not sentient, but it's a lot of times, especially for YouTube, they can only control so much. They kind of put parameters within the programming, and then the programming just sort of takes over, and it just kind of does whatever whatever it thinks is the best logical thing, depending on the information that we put into it. Right, so. A lot of these things, it's slowly and slowly and slowly and slowly getting better, but we're going through this really hard time to where we're saying like, everything is broken. It's like, no, it's not that it's broken. It's learning. It's learning how to be better. So we're going through this like sort of dark age of, of YouTube and algorithms and things like that because it's just the building blocks of all this stuff. So I think by the end of 2019, we're going to start seeing very positive very positive movements within AI and within the software side of things to where that's going to literally make our, our entire lives not only easier, but we're going to look back at this and kind of feel bad for, for complaining about it. And because, you know, we're, cause we're not going to remember, we're not going to remember the bad times. It's all of a sudden going to become amazing and it's going to be in, so deeply integrated into our lives that it's almost going to become normal. We're going to forget. We're going to take, we're going to take it for granted. You know, so I think 2019 is like, it's all about software. I think that's going to be the most impressive thing, but, but it's not a good story. You know, like people don't care about like the stuff that you don't see and everything. So I think 2019 is going to be looked at as like, eh, it's kind of an okay year for tech. But, uh, in reality, I think it's going to be a very, very, very important, uh, year for technology going forward. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Software is, is, is the only thing that can get better now because smartphones are pretty much at the peak 
you, you can't really make a phone faster and then it will because now you open an app and it and it's like instant we've got 10 gigabytes of ram on some phones which i don't even i don't even get oh why, dude why that's that thing. that you and talk about like that one the one plus mclaren <laughs> that that too yeah <laughs> like what what's the point we, 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 I don't know. The iPhone has four gigabytes of RAM and it's just as good as the OnePlus McLaren, which has ten. But yeah. I guess that's a, that's a preference thing they choose which is better. But phones yeah, are are, if you want are getting are getting good enough, and software is the only thing that can make them better. And I think last year we got a little bit of a taste with AI, with Google Duplex and all that kind of stuff. And this year probably going to get even more uh hopefully ios 13 brings some cool stuff android 10 will bring some cool yeah. stuff in terms of ai and, and all yeah. that kind of stuff well we talked about what what the big thing in tech is going to be this year what about the next big thing for apple apple is a one of the major companies i know you use an iphone i use an iphone what what do you think is apple's like next big product release because we really haven't had one since the Apple Watch, or you can even say AirPods. But what, yeah. what, what do you think? Um, yeah, I, I, th- I think you're. I think you've already said it. iOS 13. Uh, I think that's the game changer. Uh, and again, it goes to the the software thing. Uh, I think that's really is going to be the most revolutionary thing that they come out with in in 2019, um, and maybe even 2020. I, I mean, I love my AirPods. It's like one of my favorite things ever. Like one of my favorite pieces of tech in the world that I've ever owned, period. Just because of how often I use it and just how well it works within the within the constraints of the technology I already use. Uh, so I think AirPod 2 is gonna be probably my favorite tech of, you know, until AirPods 3 comes out, you know, <laughs> but uh, it, it's, it's I'm gonna love that so much. But I think I think the biggest thing for Apple is gonna be the iOS 13. I think it's, it's finally going to, it's finally gonna make the iPad Pro the iPad Pro. Uh, I think that's, going to be, you know, a really, really big thing. So the iPad Pro, I have one. I have like the 12.9 inch and it's amazing. It's wonderful, but I just, it's not at its full potential. So when people ask me, you know, should I buy one? I go, "Mm," like, wait until like mid 2019 or so, uh, you know, to kind of see what, see what, uh, see where it's going to be going. And then maybe even argue like until iOS 13 comes out and then really kind of like, really kind of decide after that, whether you should get one or not, but I think it's that's what's going to make it amazing. It's what's going to make the iPhones amazing. It's what's going to make really everything sort of. It's going to be the further separation between that and Android. And uh, you know, I I don't mind Android. Uh, I, I like it's I like it's how it's it's customizable. I like that you can like do things as far as like similar to how you can do it with a computer. But it's just I, I like I like the fact that my iPhone is my iPhone. My iPad is my iPad. My iMac is my iMac. My MacBook is my MacBook. Like there's like, I don't need everything to be the same. I don't need my phone to be my computer, you know? So I think that's kind of where Android sort of like has its missteps in that way. But but that's just me, right? Like I'm not saying that it's wrong in general. I just think that it's not right for me specifically. So, but, so again, it's giving people choice and uh, I, I like the separation. And I think iOS 13 is gonna be, uh, <laughs> I, I, I can, I have some ideas um, as to like what it's going to be, and I probably shouldn't say what those things are yet. But we'll see if I'm right come you know later on in the year. So we'll see. But iOS 13 is definitely going to be Apple's, arguably its biggest move, period. Uh, from maybe from the the iPhone or the iMac, uh, probably since then. Yeah, that's actually that's actually something that I didn't think about because what usually when you think about Apple releasing something, you think about products. You don't really think about the software is going to be a big thing. And I mean, 2019 is going to be a software year more than a hardware year. And yeah, I, I totally agree. iOS 13 is going to be amazing because we've, we've heard rumors of a redesign, a dark mode. It's going to be better for iPads. Oh, and dark it, mode. I, I honestly can't oh, wait. My heart. Yeah, dark mode, honestly. <laughs> when they trolled us with Mojave last year, it's like no dark Bro. mode for iOS, but we do have it on Mac OS and yeah. TV OS. And yeah. Yeah, infinite hard eye emojis for dark mode, man. I, I I love it. I love it more. I love it more than I should love anything that's not a person. <laughs> yeah, dark dark mode would change the way we use iPhones like forever. Not even Android really has a dark mode if you think about it. They don't. It's it's more within the apps, like the apps you can do it mm-hmm. and everything. But as yeah. far as like, and I guess you can do it like like you can you can have a a launcher that has a dark mode. Yeah. But again, it's just it's not the same. 
you know, it needs to be across everything. Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, okay. So before we, uh, we head off, do you think there's anything you would like to share or any questions that I didn't ask you that you would like to kind of talk about? Maybe not specifically. Uh, I'm just, man, I just, I really hope what we're doing in January is going to come across the way that, that we want, um, for as far as the, the TLD side of it. And I, I guess it's just more of, I, I always wanted to share. I always wanted like what I always want to tell people of, of me working with, with, uh, Jonathan Morrison and, and the team and the TLD team and everything is just, man, sometimes YouTube personalities get a bad rap for something. And I'm not saying that like he has a bad reputation. He doesn't, he has a very good reputation, I believe, but I just, these are people. You know what I mean? And like, these are people, these are humans. I've met all like the team crispy. I've met like these amazing creators. I met people that I never imagined that I would have met. And I think the community across YouTube in general is one of the most warm, inviting, wonderful things, uh, that you could possibly be a part of. And these groups, this group specifically, like, man, John is like one of the most generous humans I've ever met in my entire life. Um, the team here is one of the most welcoming groups I've ever been a part of. And I, and I know that this sounds like, like I'm super biased just because like I work here, but like, I, I, I would not work here if it wasn't for that. You know, like I'm very picky about the places that I work and the people I surround myself with. I pride myself on being able to surround myself with incredibly positive people that are adding something to my life and people that are better than me and almost every capacity, right? Like you want to, like, again, it goes back to the thing of never be the smartest guy in the room. Always surround yourself with people who are better. And, you know, it creates, a, it creates a better dynamic for not only for your life, but for, for theirs as well. Cause you're adding something also. But, um, but yeah, I, I always just want to, I always tell people that like just how amazing these people are. And you know, if you ever get to meet them or if you ever see me or if you ever see anybody on the team, anybody within like team crispy and really any like YouTubers, like never think that you're any different than they are. You know, they're just doing something that's different than you. Like, these are all normal people. Like, that's the thing I've taken away from all this. Like, oh, like, you know, you always want to say never meet your heroes. But, like, these are, like, genuinely, they're just normal. You know, like, they're just, they just happen to be on a screen. You know, I, like, you know this. Like, you're a normal guy. Like, you're a nice guy. You know, and, and, like, people look up to you in that way. And it's just, you know, you you don't view yourself in that way. And I think a lot of people that are in the YouTube space, obviously with a few exceptions, you know, there's, like, there's that and everything. Um, they're... They're just normal people. So if you see them, never be hesitant to come up and say what's up. Never be hesitant, especially me specifically. If you guys see me in like California anywhere or wherever we go, like I love having people come up and like simply like not necessarily sharing stuff that I do, but like I just want to learn about you. You know, like I think it's interesting. It's an interesting platform to be able to get to know people. And it's an, it's cool for other people to be able to see the people that they that they view every day in person and realize that they're just like them. So it's it's one of those things that I always encourage people to like just be be social with people that are on YouTube because they're just they're normal people and it's awesome and I love it. Okay, so before we go here, where can people find you on social media? What are your Twitter handle and all that kind of stuff? Uh, you can find me everywhere on JD Tech TV. You can go to YouTube, uh, JD Tech TV. You can find me there. Uh, same thing, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I'm most active on on uh, Facebook. You can talk to me there. Um, but like, I, I have a lot of stories and everything that I'm getting more uh, more into on Instagram. So you can kind of see what we do on a day-to-day -day basis there. So, uh, But yeah, you can find me everywhere at JD Tech TV. Okay, so uh, thanks again, JD, for being on the show. And if you guys want to follow him, all the links will be in the description below. Thanks, JD, for being on the show. And I will catch you guys in the very next episode. Yeah.